Before we get into today's show, we'd like to take a moment to acknowledge the past and ongoing injustices from dispossession, displacement, disadvantage and discrimination experienced by the First Nations people of this unceded land. We recognise that the traditional owners of the land that I live on are the Dareg and Gundungurra peoples and that Holly lives on the land of the Ngunnawal people. Welcome to Somebody You Love or The Sale of Two Titties. I'm Jenna Love. And I'm Holly Hart. And we're experts in disappointing our parents, breaching community guidelines and banging the people who vote against our rights. It gives me great pleasure to introduce the darling Mr. Love to the microphone today. Our regular listeners and patrons would know that Mr. Love does a massive amount of work producing every episode of this podcast, uh, except maybe one or two that Jenna did, like let's give her credit, due credit, but the other 75 have all been Mr. Love's hard work. You would also know him as being a wonderful husband to Jenna and enduring the holly cane that has entered his life. People always want to know more about Mr. Love, but he prefers to play Mr. Mysterious. Well, today he's compliantly going out of his comfort zone to answer your questions about what it's like to be married to a sex worker. Audience gasp. (gasps) Yeah, so we asked our patrons to submit questions for Mr. Love. And here he is. Hi, babe. Welcome to the show. Hello. Good to be here, I guess. <laughs> you sound so provocative. Hello. Well, first of all, I want to just address this compliant thing. Uh-huh. <laughs> I was kind of pressured into this, but okay. Yeah, isn't that what compliance yeah. is? Yeah. Hmm. So just mm. Mm twice if you're being held hostage. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's move on quickly and ask him some questions. <laughs> Mr. Love, how did you meet Jenna and were you Polly before you and Jenna pursued your romantic relationship? Um, well, no, we were definitely not Polly before we started seeing each other. In terms of how we met, it was doing a mutual hobby uh, <laughs> that we both still enjoy. Masturbation? Well, we didn't meet that it's way. Hard to but meet we, that way. <laughs> yeah. We did uh, end up engaging in that at some point together, I'm sure. <laughs> How cute. We love a shared interest. It's a foundation for such a healthy relationship. How do you find that your work lives impact one another? Uh, I think, I don't know, both our work lives do impact each other, mm. uh, but probably not in the ways you'd expect. I don't know what the intention of this question was, but I imagine that they're probably thinking emotionally. Um, oh, I didn't even think of that. <laughs> yeah. In that way, it doesn't really affect us too much these days, perhaps in the early days, and I'm sure there's questions about that later on as well. Yeah, these days, I mean, we just both go to work and come home at the end of the day, or in Jenna's case, is home all day. <laughs> Well, that's one. Yeah. The first thing that popped into my mind with this question is that Mr. Love uh, recently was unemployed for a while. Um, He, you know, the place that he worked at had shipped everything offshore and closed down that location. So he was out of a job and because he got, um, he'd been there for a while. So we got a bit of a payout. So he was in no hurry to get a new job. But because I work from home, um, that actually, it did have a pretty big impact on it. And not just like, 
And I, I reckon so many couples went through this with the pandemic and stuff. Like it's not just the case that I, I take bookings from home, but also just when you work for yourself and when you're working from home, it's really helpful to have that headspace and that separation. And I just found it very, very easy to not work and for us to just go, oh, should we watch a telly and sit on the couch or play some games together or whatever. So um, when he went back to work, that was a massive boost for for my professional life. Like I've I've definitely found it so much easier since he's gone back to work. But that's not job specific. It's it's unemployment specific, I guess. Yeah, hanging around the house all day specific. I think for me actually, like your work has had much more of an impact on my work because ever since day one that I've been working in the sex industry, I've worked the hours that he's at work. So that's when my I've been available to work from home, mostly because I don't want to kick him out of the house to be like, hey, I'm going to bang some random dude. But also because I, you know, I like to have our time together and our family time. And so I've always kind of gone off what his work hours are. And like, because I, because that means that my in-calls are daytime, I get a lot of people who are like, oh, why don't you do any night in-calls? Why don't you work weekends? Blah, blah, blah. So occasionally if Mr. Love is working on a project, I will have, I'll be able to do in-calls at at different hours. Um, And I always sort of advertise that, but it can be, um, yeah, I I mean, I'm not complaining about it, but it definitely has a, like his work has a massive impact on my work. I think also um, things like when you go on tour uh, is it would really have an impact on Mr. Love's life because uh, that's not a, a thing that happens in a lot of relationships. I know a lot of people do travel for work, but then Mr. Love's sort of got you disappearing for several months, several weeks, months of the year um, doing work. Not disappearing. I know that's a bit drastic. Yeah, I mean, obviously I love having Jenna around the house and spending time with her and doing all the things we do together, but... I also do enjoy my solitude uh, sometimes. So every now and then she pops off for four or five days or something like that and I get the place to myself and I can do whatever I please. And um, yeah, that's it's uh, quite nice to do that every now and then. Yeah. You can watch some extended Lord of the Rings and play some games. and <laughs> Yeah, all of the above, yeah. All of the fun stuff, yeah. So looking back on when you and I first discussed starting out, when I was starting out, what were there any key things that you were glad that we discussed and has anything arisen since then that you wished we had discussed prior and do you have any advice for someone in the same position i don't really remember things that we discussed specifically like i don't think we had any discussions about i'm okay with you doing this particular act mm, and i'm not okay yeah, with right. that particular act i don't think we had anything like that because i guess in our own lives, nothing was really off the table mm. in terms of that. Not that we're, you know, <laughs> super adventurous or, you know, like crazy out there. But but I feel like that's partly why, because some people are like, oh, this crazy specific act is reserved for just the two of us. Yeah. And we don't really, like, we just have. Yeah, no, we've never really thought you know. <laughs> like that yeah. in any way, have we? Yeah. No. It was so long ago, it's very hard to remember any specific discussions we had around anything like this. I don't remember any of it. It was was so old right now. More than a decade ago, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Do you remember feeling any um, moments of insecurity or jealousy around it? Yeah, absolutely. In, In the early days in particular, there were a few times. I remember the first time that I had read a review that someone had left for Jenna on her website. 
And yeah, I don't know what it was about it. I couldn't really pass my own thoughts and feelings about it at the time. And I haven't really attempted to since, but something about it really got me worked up. And I was, I guess you could say upset about this. Uh, it was, it was the, the really graphic description mm. of all the things that had, had been done in the session. And I feel like, like I'm putting words into your mouth, but kind of the tone and like the way, because sometimes in those reviews, like the way they speak about yeah. the worker is not Yeah, very it nice. was very much objectifying yeah. you and the experience, I guess. Yeah. Which, I, you know, I guess that's part of the job sometimes. That's what people want from you. And at that time, I don't know how long you'd been doing it. It was not very long, probably yeah. less than a year. Yeah. Probably maybe even less than six months. Um, and you were probably very much used to that by that time. I don't know if you ever get used to it. Yeah, mm. I guess not. But it was, yeah, definitely mm. a new thing for me. And it was, yeah, it was mm. something that sort of took me by surprise, like my own reaction to it took me by surprise. Not sure what happened, but as <laughs> happens so often in my life, I just sort of give it some time and then it becomes good in my mind. Mm. Like not necessarily good as in as in very positive, just not negative anymore. It's just it is what it is and I, I've dealt with it. Um, I guess, yeah, time heals all wounds. If you feel those feelings again, Mr. Love, how do you work mm -hmm. through them or like how do you approach discussing them with Jenna? Like I know you said that over time, you know, and probably over time you've become desensitized to a lot of the elements of the work that might create jealousy or insecurity or um, protectiveness as those sorts of emotions. But say today something happened. How do you deal with that? Like what's your approach for managing those emotions? Yeah, that's it's hard for me to answer that. I think because it hasn't happened in such a long time, I don't really know how I would react these days to something like that. Are you pretty like quick to talk about it together or or do you just internally deal with it yourself? Mm, yeah, again, very hard to answer. But <laughs> in the back 10 years ago when uh when it was all new to me, I think I did kind of keep it inside for a little while and then one time I think Jenna noticed that I wasn't, you know, I was behaving Weirdly, I was, or whatever, I'm not sure what I was doing, but <laughs> you noticed something was off, obviously. Um, and then we talked about it then. But these days, if something were to happen that I wasn't okay with, for whatever reason, I'd absolutely bring it up immediately. We talk about anything and everything. Mm. Nothing's off the table in terms of discussing it, mm. particularly if one of us is upset. Yeah, we talk through it and make sure that everything's okay. I also think like, you know, everyone talks about how communication is the most important thing in a relationship, blah, blah, blah. And I, obviously I think that's true. And you're right. Nothing's ever been off limits for us and nothing's ever, you know, you, I hope that there's never been fear in our relationship about anything that could be raised. But at the same time, I know like Mr. Love is like this. A lot of the men that I've been with have been like this that they do need to take a bit of time processing yeah. by themselves before having that conversation. So, yeah, I definitely know when something, if he's a little bit funky and I, I know that it within the next couple of days it'll come out and we'll have that discussion, but he needs to have that that processing in his brain first. And my boyfriend is exactly the same. So, and I don't think it, it's, that's not, they're not hiding anything from me. That's just their way of processing and working through things. And then, and then we come and have the conversation together. And I think these days I'm also very much okay with the fact that not every need in a relationship can be met by one person and one person only. I think, you know, this comes back to the poly thing as well. It's not just about sex and things like that, but it's uh, I'm, I've fully come to terms 
and totally agree that you can't rely on one person for absolutely 100% of your needs. So, I mean, we're not even talking about needs if we're talking about your job either, I guess. But the point is that I'm trying to make (laughs) in a very roundabout way is that if Jenna is doing some act in her job that we don't do at home, that's totally fine with me. Do you think you were raised with pro-sex worker values? And if not, where do you think those values came from? For example, is there anything in particular that kind of led you to form your own values? Uh, I wouldn't say I was raised with pro-sex worker values, but I also wasn't raised with anti-sex worker values. Mm. I think probably like the vast majority of, of households, it was kind of Sex wasn't really a thing that was ever discussed in our house. It certainly wasn't looked upon with shame, but it also wasn't, uh, uh, you know, we weren't a free love household <laughs> where anything, you know, you know. So, yeah, definitely no pro or anti-sex worker values, but it was just just something that was never really talked about. These days, I'm obviously very pro-sex work values. And yeah, I, I mean, I have to say that that probably came from Jenna. I mean, it came from being in the life of someone doing the work. And it's, yeah, it's just the exposure to that, the exposure to um, the stories and some of the people in her life. Yeah, I just, I real, you, you come to realise that it's just a job like any other. These are people like any other people. And there's nothing to be looked down upon about doing the job. What is something everyone should know about Jenna but doesn't yet? That's a hard one because we know a lot. Oh, I guess that is a hard one. You know. I mean, obviously, I know a lot about Jenna, but I don't know. And Holly does too. Yeah, she's very open. She's a pretty open person. Something that everyone should know but doesn't yet. I think when we're sitting on the couch, (laughs) she likes to groom any and all parts of my body. She'll, I, I bring my trimmer out and she'll trim my beard. She'll trim my ear hairs. <laughs> she'll cut my toenails. It's my favourite part of it's the day. Her absolute favourite part of the day. And any time that I bring it up, any time I bring out the trimmer and show her or hand her the clippers and put my put my foot in her lap. <laughs> Seductively put yeah. the foot up on the couch. <laughs> it's just like you can see her eyes light up. <laughs> it's like definitely the highlight of the week. <laughs> Yeah, it's so good. But you won't let her squeeze your pimples. Well, I don't let her squeeze my pimples, (laughs) but she does anyway a lot of the time. But we're really big on consent on this podcast, okay? Don't do things without Mm. people's consent. Well, as soon as something becomes too painful, she will stop. Yeah. But I I, I put up with it to a certain degree. (laughs) Yeah. That's very cute. Uh, Jenna, what is something about Mr. Love that everyone should know but doesn't yet? God, oh, we no. don't know anything about Mr. Love. Mine's yeah, mine's a bit more of a serious answer because something that I think and I don't know if listeners of the podcast will have this problem anyway, but something that people in our civilian life, like often when people meet us because I'm the louder one, I'm more the extrovert, I'm more comfortable in social situations than he is. He tends to be a lot quieter than me. Um, And because he's also like such an easygoing guy, uh, it's not unusual for people to make comments like, oh, we can see who wears the pants in that relationship, which obviously makes me want to fucking punch them. Um, But comments about that where I think some people get this perception that I like walk all over him and it ties into the sex work thing. Like people think that he's just this, I don't know, this like 
dog on a leash that just does whatever I say. Um, And I guess I want people to know something about him is that that's not the case at all. Like he has a really strong backbone. You know, I I think he's actually incredibly assertive just in a different way. And I think that that's something that the whole world could do with learning about everyone is that quieter people, it doesn't mean that they don't have opinions. It doesn't mean that they won't stand up when they need to. And people that are easygoing, like it doesn't mean that they'll let anything fly. It just means that they're pretty chill with a lot of stuff. And then when it gets to a point where they're not chill, they'll speak up and and that's what he does. Well, hopefully they will. So, yeah, I guess I want people to know that he's actually – you know, really strong in who he is and what he believes mm-hmm. in and what he thinks is right. And we disagree on things, you know, you know, all the time, I think. Like we don't have mm-hmm. arguments, but we we have different opinions on things and, yeah. I've got two answers. Um, nobody asked, mm-hmm. but this is very on brand for me <laughs> just to offer my opinion. Two things about Mr. Love that everyone should know but doesn't know yet is that, uh, one, he is incredibly practical. Like you can give him like any task and he just works it out. He finds a way, like he doesn't complain. He just, okay, maybe he complains. I never get to see it. Oh my God, but, he does complain. <laughs> yeah, okay. But he just does it. Like he does the thing. Whereas I give up and call someone to help or brute force things or just, and fuck it up. Um, but Mr. Love mm. is just so capable. Like he just, there's so many tasks I can think of um, that, you know, yeah, he, he just, when he sets his mind to it, he works it out. And that's, it's really cool to see. The second thing is that he's really into these weird niche YouTube videos and stuff. Like he finds like the weirdest shit on the internet and that's like his jam. And it's just, Oh, you can talk super niche. Like yeah. what? I think everyone what are you knows talking that about? already. Like what? Yeah, true. Yeah, what what niches? Like icebergs melting into the ocean and shit. Like you. <laughs> oh yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is the best episode. It should just be Holly talking about Mister Love. <laughs> he but does yeah. sometimes. He watches videos of icebergs melting. So that's glaciers, um... not icebergs. Oh, okay, so glaciers. Glaciers. Sorry. And that was that was one time. <laughs> Yeah, but there's been a few things like that. There's been a few things where, you know, I'm like, you're a bit weird. Um, In the most everyone does that, don't they? Everyone goes down YouTube rabbit holes and they get they get stuck on a thing for a day or two. Yeah, yeah, but I guess they're predictable for some people. Whereas yours are a little bit more surprising because you're, I don't know, not. Hey, I mean, the videos are there on YouTube. People are uploading them, so there's obviously interest. You're getting very defensive. Yes. Very (laughs) defensive about this. Okay. How many spoons of Milo is appropriate in a glass of cold milk? Uh, I mean, there's a, there's a serious answer and then there's the answer that everyone wants. And the answer that everyone wants is, don't you mean how much milk should go into your tin of Milo? Correct. I think Mm -hmm. the serious answer, if you will indulge me for one moment, Mm -hmm. is two very large heaped teaspoons of Milo in a full glass of milk with a couple of scoops of ice cream, and then you put a lid on the cup, you shake the hell out of it, and you've got yourself a nice Milo ice cream milkshake. I've, and it's I've the best thing ever. I used to do it all the time as a kid. Yeah. We had we had a specific Milo shaker cup that had like a sealable lid on it. Yeah, the best mm. it is the absolute best way to consume Milo. I did not know this yeah. about you. There you I'm go. Learning. That goes back to the last question then. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, okay, we've got a question from a pa- – well, all of these are from patrons, but uh, it is me being an introvert 
and not the best conversationalist, do you think if I were to engage with sex workers slash providers, would that help my confidence and bring me out of my shell a bit? I don't know if I'm the best person to answer this question because I feel like I could have written it myself. Yeah, I guess, but I don't really know the answer to it. Um, I think in terms of the immediate short term, if you go and see a sex worker, there's nothing that opens your lips quicker than having an orgasm. <laughs> you know, things are a little bit weird and awkward at first and then you pop one out and then it's it's all systems go in terms of the conversation. Nothing's, nothing's yeah. Um, That's what I always say about my clients. Yeah, yeah. absolutely, yeah. Um, in, in, in terms of the long term, I can't say if it would help you or not. I guess that's an individual thing for everybody, really. I don't consider myself to be in my shell. I, I just am who I am. So for me, having seen sex workers hasn't really changed me as a person. Um, I've enjoyed my time. Yeah, I mean, you're quite comfortable being an introvert and yeah, being absolutely. a quieter person. I don't, person. don't feel the need to change yeah. that at all. Yeah. yeah, I think that's a good message. So, yeah, I mean... I'm sorry to the question asker. I can't be more specific, but <laughs> yeah. I think I know the answer to this, but what is the weirdest thing you've come home to find after an in-call, like after I've been working from home? I think you've talked about this on the show uh, before. Yeah, maybe I did. It has to be the giant traffic cone. <laughs> <laughs> I get home from work, open the front door, there's a traffic cone in the front room. Witch's hat for the witches. Yes, a witch's hat. That's what I call it. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, oh, that's very weird. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and then walked past it and put it out of my mind. And I think it might have been sometime later that I asked you about it. I don't think it was right away. I think I brought it up. Oh, maybe you did. I think I was like, did you, did did you, you see, see? <laughs> me in the, in the front room? Yeah. Uh, I was like, yeah, okay, but why is it there? <laughs> and then it was explained to me why it was there and where it had been. <laughs> And that was definitely the strangest thing that's, uh, that's, that's been left in my house after a booking. What is your go-to thing to do to keep yourself out of the house when Jenna has an in-call on a day that you're not at work? Oh, I mean, this is really boring. I just go grocery shopping generally. <laughs> Ooh, salacious. <laughs> You've seen movies a couple of yeah, times. Yeah, a couple she? of times. If it's, if it's a longer booking, I'll, uh, I have on not too many occasions, maybe any twice, maybe three times I've gone to see a movie. Sometimes I'll go visit my mum. But yeah, generally I just go out and do a couple of errands, either grocery shopping or pop down to the nearest shopping centre and buy some pants or something. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Sex worker husbands, they're just like real people. (laughs) Who'd have thought? (laughs) Yeah, this just in. (laughs) I have mentioned previously that a number of my clients are big Mr. Love fans. Well, what is on your gift suggestion list? Because I do have a few that have bought you gifts. You've received quite a few gifts, I've received gifts, a few you? gifts, yeah. Um, I've received some beers um, and some chocolatey things. Uh, I, I mean, obviously, I don't have a gift suggestion list. And I think it goes without saying that you absolutely don't have to buy me a <laughs> gift. Um, I've kind of awkward around receiving gifts anyway, so it's probably best if you don't. But if you absolutely have to, I think some chocolate-covered almonds. <gasps> I was about that to say to it. Sorry, <laughs> Sorry, Holly. I was about to <laughs> say it. I know how much you yeah. don't like them. <laughs> no, that's okay. I know you love them. They are the best thing. And I think sometimes when people bring treats for Ava, that's almost like a gift for him too. Yeah, yeah it is. That's... Although you're usually the treat giver. I don't, I I don't give her the giver. treats too often. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. 
Who was the first one to bring up the idea of getting a cat? I don't know. Mm. I think it's something, yeah, that's a thing that we've both always mm. wanted, I think, from mm. very early on. Yeah, I couldn't tell you who was the first to bring it up. But it took you a while, yeah? Oh, yeah. It did, yeah. We were, we were, you know, renting for a long time and, and constantly moving houses. Um, and that's difficult when you have a pet. Mm. So we decided not to get one. And we're very cautious people, aren't we're we? We're very cautious people. Very sensible. Yes, we need and to really make sure. really fucking lame. I hope everyone's just learning in this episode that we're just <laughs> really lame, sensible suburban people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, in terms of the cat that we did end up getting, that was all Jenna. Um, and Kira, shout out to Kira if you're listening. Uh, she was fostering some kittens. And one of them was our lovely Ava. And Jenna sent me a photo with a little cat on her lap and said, oh, I love this thing or something like that. And I was like, hmm, maybe we can get it. Because I remember at the time we were pretty close to buying Mm. our own place. We were, you know, saving our deposit and we were well on the path. So we Mm. thought this is the last rental place we're going to be living in. So let's do something a little bit more permanent. And she was just such a sweetheart and we couldn't Mm. couldn't give her up. So she came home with us. Yeah. Who does Ava like more, you or Jenna? This question is so rude. It is it's very rude. So I feel mean. like this is going to bring up some, some but it's contentious obviously points. you. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it depends on the time of day, I think. Hmm. She definitely loves me more in the afternoon and evening. She sits on my lap when we're watching TV. Mm-hmm. But that's Well, I mean, yeah, these days when I'm at work full time, yeah, that's pretty much the only time she gets with me. <laughs> some, some time in the evening while we eat dinner and watch some TV. Um, she sits on my lap. Sometimes if I'm in my office on my computer, she'll come up and sit on my lap or on the desk in front of me. I've got a heater like under my desk and it warms this very specific spot of the desk and she <laughs> likes to sit on there in the winter in the winter months. It's very cute. Uh, but at night time when we're sleeping, um, it's definitely, definitely Jenna. She always sleeps on Jenna's side of the bed. She gets in, in your little crook of your knees mm-hmm. and that's her little spot there all I night. Except when I'm on tour. Except when you're on tour and yeah. then she's all she over moves. me. Yeah. Yeah. But she gets a bit sad when Jenna goes on tour too, doesn't she? She does, she yeah. Does I think she gets a little bit depressed when one of us is yeah. away too long. Yeah. And usually that's Jenna being on her tours. Yeah, it's very sad. She gets extremely snuggly. I often, like I, I suspect she likes Mr. Love more than me and I'm okay with that. But I think it's because he is a real person of routine and obviously we all know cats love routine as well. Um, so I feel like the two of them together, they have all these little routines <laughs> and I am just not a person of routine. That's, yeah. My life is different every single day. Um, so I feel like I often, I watch them doing their little rituals together. Like it's very fucking cute. It's great. Yeah. This might be TMI for the podcast, but uh, my, our morning routine is I get up, I go out and make some breakfast and give her a little pat while I make my breakfast. Uh, then I come into my office to eat my breakfast and do some things on my computer before I go to work. Then just before her automatic feeder goes off, I go out and clean my bowl and do all my stuff in the kitchen and I make sure her feeder goes off and she goes to eat. And then I go and perform my morning ablutions. (laughs) He does a poo. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Um, And she comes and joins me after she's finished eating. It's very sweet. She sits at my feet and and rolls around and gets gets a pat or two. She's so spoiled. It's very sweet. Uh, what would your escort name be? Oh, I th- I'd have to capitalise on the love name. Yes. But it couldn't be Mr. Love. That's a bit too generic, I think. 
It's a pretty good hooker name. Yeah, though. maybe it is. Glove. But I feel like I'd need some some manly man name, like <laughs> some sexy name, like oh yeah, like. like I don't know, Go Chad. On. Chad. <laughs> Chad is not a sexy name. Chad Love. You don't think that's a no. great name? You can't no. have two one syllable. Chad, uh, okay. Hmm. Can't you? What's a, what's a hunky name? Chaddington. What about Chad Henry? Chad Everyone likes Henry Cavill. He, he's Henry like, Love? Henry Love. I don't know if that works. Mm. No, don't hate it. It's okay. No. Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll take this on advisement. Get back to you. <laughs> What element of Jenna's career have you found the most challenging and what have you been most proud of? I think my answer to both of these questions is the same thing. Oh. Yeah. I think it's that she works so hard and all the time. Relentlessly. Um, relentlessly, yeah. I don't know. I want to say relentless. That has ne- negative connotations. <laughs> but, um, yeah, she's always doing some work. Um, whether it be admin for her own work or stuff for Scarlet Alliance. And it's very hard for her to switch off. She likes to be on the go all the time. But, yeah, that's um, I find that challenging sometimes because it is hard to be in the moment together when that's happening a lot. But it is also the thing I'm the most proud of because she cares so much about her work and the other people in her industry, and she does absolutely everything she can to make their lives better. And they work easier. That's so nice. <laughs> She's having a little cry. Oh, my God. <laughs> she loves crying. <laughs> uh, so your online presence is very mysterious. Uh, I, lo- I feel like people think that that's, like, intentional, but it's just that, like, he he's never signed quiet. up for an online yeah. presence. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's just that he's like... He's like, I'm not a hooker. I, and I, I never <laughs> thought... No. And I never thought about him being a character Mm. like I started calling him Mr. Love because like a lot of sex workers do that they just call their partner you know Mr. or Ms. or whatever surname because that's it's clear who you're talking about then but I guess given the name being Mr. Love makes it sound like a lot more than just my partner like it sounds like he's some love doctor or something (laughs) and then because I talk about him a lot like he's become this character and Mm. people talk about Mr. Love all the time and I often I come home and say to him like oh my client was raving on about you or you know a group of peers were saying how awesome you are and he's always like what like I'm not I've had clients who, I don't raving know these to people. me about him like. yes <laughs> I'm not comfortable with praise no he struggles <laughs> like, with praise yeah. which is tough because he's very praiseable yeah. so makes it hard yeah, so like he does have this this mysterious presence, but it's just because he didn't he doesn't really have a presence at all. Like But the question is, could you describe yourself in three words that capture the true Mr. Love essence? I think particularly in terms of my online presence, the three words would be can't be bothered. <laughs> yeah, I don't but know. Who are I'm just you? not all that who am Well, yeah, I mean, I think that sums me up. Pretty generally, a lot of the time, <laughs> can't be bothered, That's so <laughs> or cute. doesn't bother me. Doesn't bother me. Yeah, that's yeah. not entirely inaccurate. So easy that's, going. That's yeah. fair. Easy going. Pretty easy going. Reliable. Yeah, I think so. Dependable. Yeah, I guess so. I go with the flow. Definitely. Ethical. Loving. Yeah. Law abiding. This is more than three words. <laughs> yeah, but we like it. He's getting yeah. uncomfortable Remember now. With I said all I was praise. uncomfortable with yeah. praise. So you're gonna say some bad I feel ones. Like, what's the word? I guess no reliable eyebrows. and dependable does it. But there's got to be a word that means... Steadfast. 
No, like that, in, that means that you um, enjoy routine. Like, I thrive, thrive on routine. How about that? Yeah, that's Less that describes you very you. much. Okay, I don't know who sent this one in. It was um, anonymous. Like, it just appeared on the um, in the Google Doc. So someone's obviously got access to our drive. I don't know. Very strange. Um, what the hell? And it is. Why is Holly your favorite wife-in-law? <laughs> oh gosh, Holly how awkward. Is, <laughs> Holly is my favourite wife-in-law because she shares a very similar, very silly sense of humour with me, I think. Yay. We often bond over really very stupid memes, but I must say sometimes Holly's memes are too stupid, even for me. <laughs> yeah. I do I do love a silly meme. It's fair. But, uh, fair. yeah, sometimes... They're silly to the point of incomprehensibility. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, and we could quote silly movies. We yeah. quoted Kung Pao at each other the other day. Yeah. It was very fun. I haven't thought about Kung Pao for about 15 years. Yeah. One of the most quotable movies of all time. If you haven't it's seen great it, film. get yourself I mean, a copy. It's a weird film. Uh, mm. Very weird. Good, yeah. good answer. Yeah. They're a really great, like it's really good for them to have each other because I'm very like serious and I don't, I don't know. I like memes and stuff. I think I'm funny, but... Um, I think you're very funny. I just don't think you like being funnied at. Yeah, I don't enjoy being funnied at. That yeah. is correct. And I think that people think they're being funny at me and they're not. So I think that's, to you. that's my issue. I think but I'm yeah, so funny, both. so that's the problem, isn't it? I know you yeah. do. Jenna has a, a very, very high standard of comedy. I have comedy. a very high standard for funny, yes. But so like Holly and Mr. Love will both like say quote unquote funny things to me and I'll just be like, oh, I don't know how I'm supposed to react to that. But to each other, they like... They react in the in the way that normal people are supposed to react, so it's very nice for them. And my favorite thing, I'm just jumping in again. Oh gosh! Okay. On, I am obsessed. I love it when I've been in like a long booking or in meetings or something, and I open up our family group chat, and the two of them have just been having fun little conversations, <laughs> often like guessing what I've been doing or whatever, and it's just so sweet. I love I love them so much. Do you, I also don't know where this question came from. This is very mysterious, mm. I think. Very strange. Very weird. Someone has access to our drive who is obsessed with Holly and aliens. <laughs> I'm not sure strange. who that could be. Call mm. the alien police. No, okay. Um, call, call, <laughs> call Ghostbusters. Um, do you think, Mr. Love, that we would be capable of recognising extraterrestrial life if it existed in non-carbon-based forms? Do you think it's possible that life exists in unrecognisable to human forms even here on Earth? Okay, there's a lot of elements to this question. I'll, I'll address them one by one. <laughs> Are we capable of recognising extraterrestrial life? I don't know what non-carbon-based forms have to do with it. Yes, life well, on Earth is carbon-based. Because we're usually looking for carbon-based forms, I think. Well, that's what we... So that's what true. If they're, what if they're based of but the way, hydrogen? It, depends, it also depends how you define life, and I think generally life is... Defined as, you know, self-replicating, consumes energy yes. in order to self-replicate. Yeah. So I think that we would be able to recognise any form of life, whether it be carbon-based or not, if it was overt enough. I mean, I th we're, we're still discovering species on our own planet that we never knew existed. So I don't think there's anything to stop us recognising another type of life on our planet. Do I think it's possible that life exists in unrecognisable to human forms? Yes, even here on Earth, no. Why? 
Why? Why? Why do you think we, there's, there's not life that we haven't discovered here on Earth that we just don't know it's life yet? Oh, that we don't know that it's life yet. Like, yeah. what would that what would that well, look like to you? Well, you said you think it's possible that life exists in unrecognisable to human forms. So if that were the case, how would well, you know? Well, I mean, okay, let me, let me pass this a little more. They're unrecognisable to human. I mean, by definition, we won't be able to recognise that. If it's unrecognisable, we can't recognise it. Mm-hmm. But does right? it exist then? Mm-hmm. Like maybe... It's possible mm. that it exists. But you're talking about alien well, life, no, no, right? Well, no, no. come to us from another planet? No, I'm, in this instance, I'm, I'm not. Usually I am. But in this instance, I'm just saying, dude, can we agree that there might be things here that we just don't know are living and, but there are, you know, there's something. Yeah. 100%. Cool. Yes. Okay. Absolutely. It, it, it is possible. I don't think it's probable. Mm-hmm. But like I said, there are species being discovered all the time. Um, an cool. entirely new form of life that's not based on anything that we know at all, I think highly improbable, but not completely outside the realm of possibility. No. Love that. So these are the kind of chats I come back to on the group chat. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, what the fuck have you two been talking about? Is there anything that you think that our audience should know about being married to a sex worker that you haven't been asked today or that you wanted to clarify? Yeah, it's really... Again, it's difficult for me because it's just my life now and it's Jenna's life. It's just the same as being married to, I don't know, anyone who works in any industry. There's only so much that's worth talking about. Mm. Yeah. People, I don't know, people think, I don't. well, I don't know what people think, but obviously people think something because there are always weird questions. <laughs> but we're just an ordinary couple, both very ordinary people. We have a very ordinary relationship. Mm-hmm. We have, as far as I'm concerned, very ordinary jobs. We go to work, we come home, we live our lives. There's yeah. really not, not I, I guess maybe I'm being a bit glib about it, but I don't know. It's, yeah, it's just, it is what it is. It's our life. And there's really not anything that interesting about it to me. I think a lot of people out there, uh, and particularly men that I've spoken to just in general over the years find the idea or have had instilled in them the idea that a relationship is monogamous and that if your partner does X or Y or Z, they're breaking the rules and that's insulting you and you should feel a sense of, and there are all of these things that society teaches us that we should feel and that we should do in relationships. And uh, with you both living as a polyamorous couple, that's obviously something that uh, you guys have made your own decisions on and that you live with. But society has this whole idea that your partner um, having any physical contact with anyone else or any emotional contact is threatening. And I think the fact that you Mm -hmm. seem to, um, well, that you are comfortable with what your wife does, you don't have that sense of like possessiveness over her. It is quite surprising. And for you, it's not, as you said, Mm. you've lived with it and this is what your life is and you don't feel that, that insecurity, but people just don't understand. I think it's, uh, it's very, forgive the pun. It's very alien for people to, uh, to (laughs) think that maybe it's, you just don't need to possess your woman that you can. Yeah, no, absolutely. Mm. I I get that completely that for other people it is, but when I'm asked these questions, I find very difficult to answer them. Because, like I said, that is just my life. Mm. I understand that people have different views and, you know, the rules for relationships 
are different for every single relationship, for every single person. Yeah. And even even the same people in different relationships yeah. have different rules for each other. Like, And that's the way it should be. In terms of society telling us what the rules should be, I think, yes, that is – it's not necessarily a problem, I don't think, but there are some rules that people just follow because that's what everyone does kind of thing. And I think, yeah, I think it's very healthy to – examine your own feelings about all of those sorts of things, whether it be non-monogamy or absolutely anything else in your relationship. Yeah, there's a few, like there's often calls for, like requests for support groups for partners of sex workers and um, and I don't want to shit on that idea and, and if people feel they need that, then cool and they should go seek that. But Mr. Love's always been like, what? Why would I want to be like in a group of people who are partnered with somebody who does the same job. Like what is that connection? <laughs> and I, if I think about it, like if I joined a support group for wives of people who work in warehouses, that would be the worst group ever. Like why would I want to do that? And people often ask him questions and say like, how do you deal with it? How do you overcome these feelings and whatever? And all the time. And he, like he, the main reason he was reluctant to come on the show was because he's like, I've got nothing to say. I just do. I just, I don't know. It's just fine. It's just not a big deal for me. And so, like, I think that's great. Like, obviously, I think that's a great thing about him, but that's often why he's kind of not scared to talk about it, but he just doesn't think he's got anything to add to the conversation. Yeah, it's hard for me because Jenna often tells me, you know, that I'm I'm held up to some kind of, mm. as some kind of paragon of virtue, and I, I just don't feel that way because I'm mm. not, you know, I, I'm certainly not – well, I try not to, to virtue signal. I, I just am who I am. I think that, that even saying, though, that you don't feel like you have anything to say or that it's just part of your life is constructive because I think that really reflects on um, you not having – this not being a massive thing that you feel like you have to overcome every day and there's not a big internal struggle that's going on that um, like anyone who has a partner that does any job that might be difficult, I think – I don't want to compare it to something like the military because I think that that's a whole other thing. But I guess what I'm saying mm. is when you have a partner in a job that some people might find ch challenging or confrontational, um, eventually it does just become part of your life. And I think that that's important to share with people that, yeah, there were times when this was a little bit more confronting for you, um, but now you're just that the same as every other couple. And that's the whole point of this podcast. Somebody you love is a sex worker. Mm. Somebody you love is married to a sex worker and it's all just happening. We're all just people. And there's nothing weird about it. Do you have? Oh, I was gonna say. Do you have like a shit people say? Uh, it's the same thing every mm. time. Every time I tell someone or someone asks me what my wife does for a living, and I say she's a sex worker, the first thing they say, and I'm pretty sure you've brought this up on the podcast mm. before. The first thing that everybody says is, "Oh, how do you feel about that?" And you know, like I feel first of all, if it was a problem for me, I probably wouldn't. Just come right yeah, out and that's say so it. True. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I might, point. I might, I'm an R and be uncomfortable about saying it, or I might say something different altogether. Mm. So, the, just the very fact that I've told you so freely mm. yeah. should tell you that how I feel about it. Yeah, and in a tone that is confident and normal, yeah. and yeah, that's yeah. so true. Yeah. How do you feel about how um, how much of me is out there? Like, you know, I, mm. I speak to you know um i speak to the media obviously what's on my social media on the podcast like i talk about almost everything um i get recognized in public like how about that aspect of it for you because being married to a sex worker is one thing it doesn't necessarily mean you get all that stuff 
Yeah, I guess I've never really thought about it. In terms of sharing with the media and stuff, you're always very careful not to share things that you know that I wouldn't be comfortable with. How does it feel if you see my face like pop up on the TV or whatever? I mean, yeah, I feel really proud of that. I feel so proud that you're out there spreading the word um, and that people listen to you. People come to you for for your opinion. And yeah, I'm, I'm super, super proud of that. I don't think, particularly, uh, you know, like in the early days, I keep saying that phrase, but in the early days, I think I might have been a bit more uncomfortable with um, pictures and videos and things being out there on the internet. I don't think I ever would have been upset or ashamed of words that you've put out in in public because I, you know from the first day I met you I knew that you're careful about how you spoke and choosing your words mm. and I I don't think you would ever say something that wouldn't be okay which is amusing from my perspective because I feel like my brain when I'm talking it's just symbols and blankness <laughs> like I'm I don't really I don't feel like I think when I speak but I'm glad it appears that I do. <laughs> yeah. And that's not to say that you can never upset somebody with oh, what yeah. you say or whatever. Of course. Um, but in terms of our relationship, obviously, you don't upset me by saying things. Do you ever feel shy in those circumstances? Do you ever feel like maybe you'll be out together and somebody will recognise you both and you feel a little more exposed because you're sort of part and parcel as a couple? Yeah, I've never felt it in the moment, I don't think. I've had instances where I'm pretty sure I've noticed someone recognising Jenna, and that's okay. I've never had an instance where we've been approached in public or anything like that. But yeah, and I, this is another thing I know Jenna's talked about on the podcast, is people saying, hey, uh, you know, sending a message afterwards and saying, hey, I just saw you at, at the local Coles or whatever. Like, that. that's... That sort of wigs me out a little bit. That's that's a bit weird and creepy in the same way it is for Jenna. It is it is for me, definitely, yeah. How do you feel then um, when you discuss before, when you tell people about what your wife does for a living, do you feel pressure to come out about what your wife does for work or do you feel nervous about it in certain places? And um, how do you make those decisions? Yeah, that's that's been an evolving process, mm. most definitely. Um, my last job I was at for nearly 15 years, a very long time. Um, and during that time is when Jenna started doing sex work. So when I first met Jenna and when we were first married, um, people knew what she did at the time. She had her various jobs and things that she had going on through that period. Um, and obviously we freely spoke about that and that was it. People knew about that kind of thing. Um, and then the topic never really came up again after yeah, she started sex work. Them. So yeah. I never <laughs> had to. So when I, yeah. So when I left that job um, and was thinking about new work, I had to make a decision about what to say to people do I lie? Um, I kind of felt a little bit ashamed of the fact that I might have to lie about what she did for work when she works so hard at reducing stigma around the industry. I'm like, well, if I have to lie about it, that's I that's me putting stigma onto the industry. So yeah, these days, whenever someone asks me, I'm I'm pretty free with it. Um, and yeah, I've been at a new job now for about six weeks or so. Um, and several of the people there have asked me what my wife does and I've been very forthcoming with it. Um, got all the awkward questions and the, the weird laughs, some people mm -hmm. not believing me until mm -hmm. I, 
<laughs> go on and on and have to convince them that it's it's real. One guy who said he'd always wanted to open a brothel and you told him <laughs> that was not a great idea. Yes. That, yeah, that was a weird one. That was that was a first for me. No one had ever told me that before, <laughs> definitely. Good on you for doing your part to, to try and reduce stigma. That's massive. Yeah. Well, I feel like I'd be a, a massive hypocrite. Um, if I was married to someone who works so hard to do the opposite of that. So, yeah. I didn't know you felt that way. That's so nice. It's something that's been, it's a big deal for me, um, for both of my partners or anybody that I date. Like if they feel that they can't tell the people around them about my work, I, I do struggle with that. And, but I, I fully understand and I understand that they are working in industries where the stigma still exists um, like they're working in the, you know, quote unquote real world. And I understand that it can have an impact on their lives. Um, but at the same time, it, it hurts for me to hear that they have felt that they had to lie about my work. So I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't hold anything against them, but it hurts. Um, so the fact that he's been able to be open at this new workplace, it just phew, makes me so happy. Like it means the world to me. Well, I think that brings us to the end of our episode. Thanks so much, babe. No worries. Love you. Love you too. <laughs> um, I would say goodbye, but instead I'll say, should we go make dinner? Yeah. Cool. We're Let's having gnocchi. Dinner. Watch the crown. <gasps> yeah. I love gnocchi. That's what we're doing No, the, the season's so bland. What are you yeah. watching? Oh, the crown. Oh, well, Ugh, the crown. Oh. I mean, I know it's all bland, but this season in particular is really a doozy. I don't know why we like it. Anyway. I guess I'll say bye to Holly and to the listeners. Oh, so yeah. bye. bye. Thank guys. you for listening. Bye, we'll Holly. Talk to you in the family bye, listeners. Chat. Bye. Please look out for us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Patreon. Our name everywhere is Somebody You Pod, as in podcast. Our Patreon starts at just $3 a month, and you can get all of our episodes ad free and a day early, plus bonus episodes, behind the scenes action, bloopers, and more. Thank you for taking the time to listen to the voices of sex workers. And remember, somebody you love might just be a sex worker. 